0: Hey everyone, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast, your host every week. Uh, The Spiritual Underground Podcast is a 12-step recovery podcast, or at least primarily you will find some other sort of content if you poke around, Uh, but most of the folks, uh, my life was resurrected as a result of the 12 steps, and most of the folks you'll hear here are stories of the same. Uh, TSSR. 12 Steps Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It can be found on Amazon. It is the 12 steps for everybody, anybody and everybody. Uh, People who are currently in a 12-step program that may want another look at it or maybe even a deeper dive uh, might explore TSSR, folks that uh, just couldn't find their spot in AA, uh, just couldn't get comfortable in there for whatever reason. I hear that quite often. This is a back door to the same work. And here is the big one it's for people who normally would not fit in the typical 12 step fellowships. You know, mostly it's Gamblers Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. You had to have some kind of overriding. Uh, malady in your life to fit in a 12-step program and you do not have to have one to come to TSSR. Maybe you're just sitting around going, man, my life shouldn't be like this. Surely there's more to life than this. Uh, The feeling that something is missing. Um, I'll say the same thing I say on a regular basis is that I guarantee you that if you will work these 12 steps and practice these principles in your life, your life is going to get better. And yes, it is a guarantee not only death and taxes but also the 12 steps uh it's a guarantee to improve your life thank you Darren Frank for the music that I play on the intro and the outro for this podcast and we will get to business I kind of watch the clock I try to get all that stuff in in two minutes and right now it is two minutes uh my guest today uh, I always like to talk about how I met him uh, we were going to this meeting called relapse no more it was on Monday nights and uh, You've heard us talk about Bobby and uh, Bobby ended up taking his own life as a result of this disease, and he's the one that started that meeting and then one of our other brothers picked it up from Bobby and continues to keep it alive and uh I just went to support it you know they uh i like to go you know I like to go to meetings I, that's kind of crazy talk now about when I think back how hesitant I was like he had to drag me to a meeting, and I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna have to go to these meetings the rest of my life." And um, now I crave to go to him, so went there to support some guys and uh, had a guy in there. And this is my perception of it. I uh, had shared during the meeting that he had just gotten out of a thirty-day residential treatment place, and that was his first AA meeting or his first twelve-step meeting period since getting out. And uh, I looked at him and I heard his voice, and you know, uh, as as happens. Fairly often, uh, higher Power gave me a nudge and uh, kind of beelined it to him after the meeting, and uh, just to, I'll just tell this part of it too. You know, I it, it fell on my heart that was the that was the Monday before my dirt retreat, my retreat I have every year, and it fell in my heart to invite him. So I got home that night and I texted him about it and told him that uh, I invited him. But I did it on a caveat. I said, you need to come to this Tuesday night meeting, come to the Spiritual Underground tomorrow night. And if you like the vibe there, you'll like the vibe at the retreat. But if you don't like the vibe at Spiritual Underground, and some people don't, uh, then you're not going to like this retreat. Well, he came the next weekend or the next night and uh, and made the commitment to uh, come to the to the retreat. So, you know, I thought, wow, that's that's really saying something that a guy will, Will bounce out of uh, uh, treatment, and uh, and it's not bounce out like leave, but get out of treatment, and then you know five days later he's out in the boonies with some bunch of group of guys that he just barely knows, and most of them didn't he didn't know them at all. Uh, he had met a couple of us uh, Monday night, or you know a few. I don't know whoever was there to relapse no more. And then, uh, you know, come into the spiritual underground meeting where you can only meet like so many, you know, you might remember some faces and stuff. But uh, there he was showing up, and uh, I kind of forced myself on him and uh, uh, asked him to be my sponsee. (laughs) I don't really remember (laughs) exactly how that went. I I never want to really do that, so I know it was in both of our hearts to go that direction. I didn't really force myself on him, but I did. uh, I got the nudge from above, you know, and— I've been real uh fortunate on the sponsees god has sent me uh, they just are just fantastic friends today and uh so that's derek derek is my guest today how's it going tonight man what's up dan thanks for having me man yeah i'm glad Doing to good. uh get you uh, you just got a 10 month chip is that right i, did. I yeah, did so that's uh and he's been through the work for, for a little while now what is your
1: sobriety date it is april 11th 2022
0: four one one that's one of the numbers you call if you need something i don't mm-hmm. remember information or
1: something it's also a, it's also a type of box uh, for our for like the electric work i do oh is it Like there's a four square box and then there's a bigger one we call it a 411
0: a 411 huh yeah that's the, uh i've never heard that jargon before is mm-hmm. it just one with more cubic inches in it yeah yep i hate them little... No cubic inch boxes, man. Mm-hmm. They're in all the old houses. I fiddled with one of them metal ones the other day. That's got the chamfered corners and the knockouts in the back corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, golly, I ended up taking it out. And I stuck my saws off in the wall and sawed it out and <laughs> stuck a old work handy box that's in. It's the it. best. That's the best way to do them. Uh, what I was doing was fishing one out to the to the exterior. They wanted an exterior uh, receptacle out there. Mm-hmm and there was an interior one there so I could punch through and yeah, tie okay. into it and get them on outside. Mm-hmm. But I like trying to get wires through that. And it already had two wires in it, so it was already full. Yeah, especially those old wires. And I'm like trying to... to tie into it. Uh, yeah, I want me some more room. <laughs> uh, so where did you grow up? Where, where, where were you born? And uh, I was born in Louisville. Um,
1: grew up in J-Town, uh, right behind... Uh, Kind of the, outs, the outskirts of J-Town.
0: Mom and dad together then? or Yeah.
1: Yeah, they were together. Siblings? Yeah, I have a brother. He is 12 years older than me.
0: 12 years older. That's yeah. almost like an uncle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, pretty much.
0: Yeah, that span, you know, I don't know. It seems like when you get beyond three or four, it starts being enough that it's, you know, like growing up, you didn't really have a brother, right? By the time you got conscious and yeah. 50, five, Six years old, kind of, and I don't know if that you know, I can remember back to when I was three, but uh, you know, if he's 12 years older than that, he's graduating high school, and yeah, I was six years old, yeah, when he left for college, yeah, yeah, so so how was growing up? What tell me a little about it?
1: Man, uh, you know, I don't for some reason, I don't have a lot of memories of when I was real young. I, don't, I think a lot of people don't, but uh, I know a lot of alcoholics don't, yeah, it uh, alcoholics addicts. I remember I remember playing with my brother, you know, when I was real young. It's like under, under before he left for college. Uh, we played baseball all the time. I was kind of like his, uh, like it was just like me and him against the world, mm. you know. that's I remember feeling that when I was a little kid. Um, and, I mean, things were, uh, to me, seemed great. You know, I'd hear my mom and dad get a little, like at night when I'd be sleeping, I'd hear them get a little loud. You know, but uh, it was it was really it was really happy. You know, for the for the early years, and then uh, when I turned eight, that's when they got divorced. And uh, did you know it was coming, or was it more of a all of a sudden thing? It's so all of a sudden. I remember I was. It's weird how I can remember the moment. You know that like he told him that he told her that it was over.
0: Over uh, were there. Yeah.
1: Hmm. And and I don't know, this is one of those things that I, I may have made up, but nobody I might
0: have been told the story enough times that it now feels like a memory. I have some of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I was playing uh was playing Mastermind as a little board game with my dad and uh he left, talked to mom, and then mom started crying and left, you know. And then we finished the board game. Mm, really? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh uh. And you know, I didn't really understand what was going on, but I, I remember
0: her being really upset. Eight years old. That's how my old my daughter was when I when we got my wife. I think it was eight. I've been how old my son was. Uh, I will say that that is. Uh, I call it trauma. I think it is traumatizing for a kid mm-hmm. when their parents split up. I think it's a, I think it's a root of a lot of what's going on today. Is that early childhood? You know, you may not have had anything real bad happen to you, but that when the particular thing is bad enough and it just severs your identity at some level. You know, you know, all of a sudden, mom and dad aren't living together anymore, and um, it's it's tough to go through. You so how did you take it? Not very well. You know, my dad,
1: he moved. It was only about 20 minutes away. And they split custody of me. So I would spend a week at my mom's, a week at my dad's, you know, for the next 10 years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember at first it was, it was cool to, it wasn't cool. I hated it because when I was with one parent, I just missed the other one so much, Mm. you know. And. I just I didn't understand that I missed them together. You know, it's just um, it, I just didn't feel right. I remember crying a lot about it. You know, eight or nine years old. Yeah, it
0: strikes that security instinct big time, and uh, like I said, it's a, it severs you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember anything like any particular things that like uh, they just? start acting out in certain ways or did you start not doing school good or was there anything in particular that you remember and maybe there's not um yeah i remember i
1: was never really good at school <laughs> you know i never really applied myself um i was in the maybe i was for i was always in the advanced classes hmm. but i would get c's you know hmm. um which i don't know
0: how that worked out but um, yeah, you never know if C's in advance is better than B's in the regular or mm-hmm. A's in the regular.
1: Yeah, or what made it advanced anyway, you know. A, I
0: remember kids being in
1: the advanced. I remember
0: I never was. Right. Uh, I found school very boring, and that's why I didn't like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, subjects I liked, and for whatever reason, like I can remember, I liked history. And, you know, and I, so I'd get an A in history. But you know, uh, and for whatever reason, I've always been halfway decent at math, and uh, so I got medium good in there. But stuff I wasn't interested in, you know, I just didn't. It just didn't hold my. I know today that I could have gotten better grades, Mm -hmm. capable of getting better grades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And try to tell you, you know, you don't have kids yet, but try to tell your kids that someday. There's a few of us born, you know. There's people born with that uh, learning disability and things like that, but I think the vast majority of us are pretty goddamn smart. Well, for whatever reason, the system doesn't tap into that the way that it
1: yeah. Be. It's just one straight and narrow path. If you don't get it, too yeah. bad. Yeah.
0: So, uh, what do you like, junior high, high school, or like when? How things progress. Your story. My story. So, I think
1: I was. It's uh, fifteen, I think, when I when I started drinking. Um, me and my buddy, that lived in my neighborhood, we were a real tight group in the neighborhood. We played basketball, sports, everything outside. And uh, he had an uncle that would. Uh, what he told me, he said he'd fall asleep a lot. Hmm. And, uh, so we went over to his house, and sure enough, he fell asleep, and I noticed that there was a lot of beer cans, you know, on the floor and on the dresser, and so he had a 12-pack of Budweiser, and, uh, so we took it, we took it back to my mom's house. Um, I think we drank four or five each, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. took a, took a stroll out over, around the neighborhood, you know, that we were familiar with. Yeah. And it was, uh. I, I remember really liking it you
0: know did I was, you feel like you got pretty drunk I feel like I had a I mean four or five at a, that age I would think it would especially buds
1: I was feeling I felt great I, it didn't go too far okay, I remember we saved a couple for you know yeah. for next time
0: did you ever miss them what's did that did he miss the beer you stole
1: no he did he had no clue and uh he ended up being, we would go over there a lot, you know, after that. Would he give you a beer? Yeah. yeah. He'd buy it for us. We just have to, he didn't have a car. So we, we would, it was right when I got my license. Once I started getting my license, I would take him to go
0: get some for yeah. him, and he'd buy me one, too. Yeah, we had a, be careful with that rubbing your feet real okay. loud. <laughs> uh, we had a few old men around that. Well, one of them I remember specifically that I, now today, worry about how dangerous that actually was, maybe, because he was some kind of old weird man and he would play these records and tapes for us that were dirty and uh, they were funny. Mm-hmm. But, and he never wanted us to leave. He would go get us, you know, we would take him to go, he would go get us liquor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but when we got back, he wanted us to stay there with him. And, uh, and I know a couple of my friends were, did end up being alone with him but I never heard anything. And, uh, but today, I'm a little like, ooh, guy was pretty aw- out there, you know, and mm-hmm. we weren't even driving age yet. You know, we were, I don't know, 13, 14 mm-hmm. years old. I could take you to his house today. We'd ride our bikes to his house. <laughs> so he started liking the drinking, knew that was something. Uh, I remember, <clears throat> it's, I, my first time, I overshot the mark. And I felt like shit the next day. And, uh, I remember thinking that I'm not going to do that again. But once I figured out how to do it, the world came alive. Mm-hmm. I was very awkward feeling prior to that, and when that got in me, all the awkwardness slipped right off. Mm-hmm. And then I could thought, Yeah, now I can be me. Mm-hmm. Do you remember um, this? Do you have a memory of the magic happening? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of it was the, really that first time. Like
1: when we walked around the neighborhood, it was uh, you know I don't know just yeah. the the every, boys the, the, in the hood. Yeah, <laughs> just the way I felt about myself, you know, yeah. uh, didn't have a care in the world.
0: Yeah, it was Could nice. Just
1: be free. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. The
0: courage in it removes inhibitions.
1: Yeah, That's and then how to right, go
0: from there? Right after that, um, and
1: that was just the first time. Like it wasn't um, wasn't every it was maybe once or once every two months we would do that. But in, in the middle of that, uh, started smoking pot. Um, and that was something that I, uh, pursued myself. I had a buddy. I said, Hey, you know, why don't we go get some of that? Seen a lot of people doing it. So me and him went, got some, came back. To my mom's basement, rolled one up and, uh, watch music videos all night you know on mtv it's the coolest shit in the world um and then i realized that i like that a little bit more than drinking Hmm. Um, i remember i had this thought that i need to do this more and get better at it about smoking pot so that i can drive and then we can go
0: places you know and so i did that Yeah, the car was a safe uh, safe space for me, what it felt like, because you had that independence. And nine times out of ten, if I was smoking or drinking, it was out in a car someplace. Mm-hmm. Yep. Drinking and driving is a hobby.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And I had, the way it worked, you
1: know, like I said, I was a week at my mom's, week at my dad's. I could do that stuff at my mom's. But when I was at my dad's, I could not. Oh, yeah. Right? Nothing. I couldn't really leave the house. He lived out in the country. There was no other people. You know, so I couldn't get away. I didn't even try
0: to get away with it. Yeah. You know? So it was more of a matter of convenience than it was uh, that you couldn't get away with it there because mm-hmm. he'd catch you or because his rules were tight or anything. There just wasn't the, the yeah. availability wasn't in
1: the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at my mom's, there was a lot of people, a lot of people my age, kids, you know, were all doing different things, and that was kind of the hangout spot. To keep on going. So uh, then, uh, you know, it was just a, I would just smoke and drink on the weekends at parties or whatever, not, not a lot. Um, and I never really... It really got too drunk. I don't know. I would always stop when I when I started feeling a little, a little funny. Yeah, could manage it. Manage it. Mhm. Um. And then, gosh, we had a Fourth of July party. I think I fit like eighty people in my mom's basement, <laughs> and uh, that was the first time that I'd ever took it too far.
0: Yeah. Did she know you were partying and drinking and stuff?
1: By that time she did smoking dope yeah her uh, her boyfriend was uh, he smoked a lot of pot never around me you know, but uh-huh. I knew what was going on and so it was just I lived in the basement it was kind of just like a yeah like, had like an I could apartment. do yeah, like I had my own place you know I didn't bother her, so did she yeah. smoke or drink? She started drinking about that time when I was in high school yeah how about your dad? he uh he would drink, but I never saw him drunk, mm-hmm.
0: and uh it's kind of me I saw people drinking what I say today is it like normalized it for me, yeah, you no know, there was no like it was what you did when you grew up it
1: was on both sides of my family, it was like that every function,
0: yeah,
1: and I never saw anybody drunk, but I noticed once i once I started drinking and I hung around them, I realized how much they were drinking, you know, but um yeah, so i it really. I didn't think anything of it when I started. I just wanted to try it. <laughs> um, so then I decided to go to... I got accepted somehow. I got accepted to UK and uh, moved to Lexington. Started up there. And a couple of my buddies went with me. They went to school there too. Come and on. so we... Uh, I had an apartment off campus. Just partying on the weekends, smoking a lot of pot. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go to class. Smoke pot daily. Not daily, just on, just on the weekends. Just weekends. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Uh, I tried it, and I didn't like being in public, and, and mm. especially trying to focus, like in class.
0: I feel like I was probably high in high school more than I wasn't. Cause we got high on the way to school, and we got high at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And we got high when school got out. Yeah, uh, I felt I felt like I did better. I uh, saw so the partying up there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're down there, whatever. Yeah, over whatever.
1: Uh, it was fun. I mean, I it, I had a blast. Um, You know, I was going to college. I was working full-time.
0: Working full-time and going to college full-time?
1: Yeah. I was living in this apartment with my, I guess she's like a step cousin or something. I don't know. It's my aunt's stepkids. And uh, they they were running this little restaurant on campus. And I started out working just maybe 10, 15 hours a week. And then, um, next thing I know, because I, I really liked having the extra money. Yeah. You know? I was getting student loans to go to school, but uh, everything else I could take out was just paying for books and place to stay. And so, I liked having that money. You know? And at this time, I'm not 21 yet, so I can't go out to bars and drink, but... Yeah. Just liked having cool stuff. I had the apartment off campus. It was a fun little... It was a a piece of shit place, really. But, you know, it was was cool for us. Um, And then uh, I think... I was there for a semester, and then I moved... moved, We moved to another apartment. (laughs) And... uh, That's where... The, uh, that's where I got going. That's where I started having some some pain, right?
0: Um, and I think it's pertinent that you say where that pain was at. Yeah, that makes a difference for us. Okay. Um,
1: yeah. So I I was just it just gradually started one day. I don't even know. Um, I was having severe pain in my testicles. Um, it felt
0: like, which is fucking painful. Yeah, it's a place
1: that uh, I w- I wouldn't
0: wish on anybody. Um, and Every dude that's been kicked in the balls or got hit with a basketball or mm-hmm. a football or a baseball or whatever knows what that mm-hmm. core of your being pain feels like. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it uh, it just slowly crept up and um, started going to the doctors. They thought I was I had some kind of infection. First, they thought like an STD, and that wasn't the case. And then, uh, I remember one night it got so bad, and that's when I went to the ER for the first time with it. And uh, they took me in, they gave me a, a little pill, and then sent me back out in the waiting room. That's when they used to do that. Hmm. And uh, my brother, he's a nurse, and so he knew what was going on. And he, uh, I remember him telling my girlfriend she said he said he's getting ready to get a little goofy on us you know let's let's give him some space Hmm. and uh i just noticed that my pain stopped hurting you know that my balls stopped hurting i didn't that's because that was my main focus i didn't understand what was going on i thought maybe what they call them a torsion or whatever where it, it it uh they get twisted up oh yeah yeah i don't it, it just hurt so bad i felt like somebody had him in a vice grip like somebody was just yeah bearing down on them
0: well that stuff works when you got pain. yeah that's what's made for yeah
1: and so i don't remember being goofy but I, I think they said i was i don't know and so they looked at me they set me up with a primary care, and they sent me home with a bottle of 15 or 20 of these pills they were hydrocodone fives and uh I took them like I was supposed to, and I remember even talking to my girlfriend. I said, "I don't understand how these, like, what everybody likes about these." Hmm. You know, like I don't understand. Because you knew it was popular. Yeah, yeah. And I'd I always the friends I ran around with in high school. Some of them would would dabble with pills and stuff, and that scared me
0: because
1: hmm. I don't know what it is. You yeah. know, we I didn't have we didn't have internet on our phones like we do yeah. now, where we can right. just. I don't know, and so, um, so I got him. I took them like I was supposed to, and then it happened again another, a couple weeks later, where it just got unbearable for me. And at this time, they're running tests on me, and um, they think it's my prostate. Think I have some issues going on with it. Um, they don't. They don't know. They couldn't really figure it out. And what they would do, they would just. put me on antibiotics tell me to wait you know and then wait for my appointment in two months three months
0: see if this works yeah try this try this that seems to be a lot of the medical thing is they 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 take a stab at it and Mm -hmm. hope they hit Mm -hmm. you know and uh,
1: go ahead that would they. yeah so it uh, so it kept getting worse and there was I was going to the ER I went again to the ER and uh, they did the same thing the same they gave me a 10 or so and sent me home told me follow up um, and I think it was I think it was after that second time that I kind of realized like that it made me feel a, a different you know like a a, a little better um, and I was just taking like I was supposed to was taking right, one yeah. every four hours you know or six or whatever it was
0: and some uh, people say that you know it doesn't really make the pain go away but makes you not care about it as much I I feel like they they really did make it go away, and I don't know if I can say that's yeah. true. Yep, I'm not uh, saying that's uh yeah yeah. Like an always, but that is one of the things that gets tossed around is that the acetaminophen in there relieves the pain, and the narcotic makes you not care as much about the pain. I could see that.
1: Yeah. Um. So at this point, I'm not sure how. It happened, but we knew some people that uh, could get these pills without me going to the ER. And uh, so I would buy, you know, 10 or so and last me a couple of weeks. It would just, whenever it would get real bad, I would take one. Um, and then I think I start, I just start buying more. I think. And all while I'm going to the doctors and trying to hear what they say. And they put me on this and they put me on this. And as soon as I get home, I'm Googling, is this like hydrocodone? Mm. You know? Um, so I think it was a few months in that my brain had kind of already switched to like, it's the only thing that's helping me. And I really like it. Yeah. Um, and so I think it w- <sighs> I want to say that went on for a couple of years <laughs> and, and couldn't figure out what's wrong with you couldn't really figure it out no they called a, a guy in that used to work at the VA he would work on um, like uh, combat veterans you know who had their legs blown off or, or whatever he was a urologist or had their everything blown, their off. blown off yeah and uh, so he he kind of moonlighted over at the university every once in a while and they hooked me up with him and he kind of after rooting through and well it's not this it's not cancer it's not you know it's a process and he said it's a that I have some phantom pain that there's nothing going on but my mind's telling me hmm. that they're hurting right and so I'm like well you know they, they compare it to like people who, when they lose their leg and they complain that their foot is hurting that's not there anymore
0: but you still had them they weren't gone
1: yeah yeah, they're
0: very much still there Uh, they were just hurting a lot and so and there is a thing of uh, and and I've heard and I actually watched something the other day that talked about and there's like a term and it had the phantom thing in there about like people that get hooked on pain pills when they stop them they're Mind will tell them that that is still hurting, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's not necessarily that it is, but the like I've always talked about that beast within us, that disease. It will, it will do whatever it takes to get more of what it wants. Yeah, and that's that's what amazes me when I look back
1: now. It's like I know it didn't start that way, you know, but I wonder how much, if if that is the case, how much my mind was just. Screwing with me.
0: Yeah. And there's no way to measure that for or tell years. Right. Yeah. When a person comes and says they're hurting, there's no kind of like blood pressure cuff you can put on them and go, yep, it is hurting. Mm-hmm. I see. I believe you. Pain is just a complete, uh, you know, it's an undetectable thing except for by the sufferer.
1: Mm-hmm. Was yep. the
0: pain pill thing starting to crank down at any of this time? So
1: it, it had already started, but it wasn't. Um, the clamps it, weren't that tight yet? They weren't that tight quite yet. And so he, uh, what he told me was, he said, we've got surgery that you can do where they go in and they strip the nerves of your nuts, and it may work, it may not. He said there's a risk that we could nick some other things in there, like blood supply and uh, the th- whatever it is for, for the sperm, vas deferens or whatever. There's a chance for that and so that was scary to me and, and I've got these pills that are working they help and I like them so he says alright well <clears throat> I'll get you on some uh, get you on some pain pills and he finally writes me a script for a full month um, by that time I'd already been buying them and all that stuff and so I remember I called him it was 16 days after he gave me the month supply and was like <laughs> you need know more. I need more man that's really 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 bad and then by that time I was obviously taking two at a time, maybe three, you know, and uh, so he says, okay, well I'm going to transfer you to a pain clinic, you know, that's kind of right when they were starting to, to crack down on it because he didn't want yeah. you know, he didn't want to keep writing me he, he's,
0: doctors were losing their yeah, licenses right. and stuff for over prescribing,
1: yeah and so I go to the go to my first appointment at the pain clinic and this guy's asking me all these questions and he's kind of drilling me like you know what's going on And it's kind of a hard sell really that there's nothing wrong but my mind's telling me there's something wrong you know here I am 20 years old um, and he, he looked me in the eye and he said well I'm not going to stop giving these to you because if I do you're going to be doing heroin Hmm. and It really, it kind of pissed me off, you know, at the time. Because it's like, who are you, man? You know, I'm just doing what the doctors tell me. And there's a benefit that I get from these pills, too. So, whatever. But they gave them to me. And then I worked my way up to telling them, you know, stuff like I was having trouble sleeping. You know, because I kept running out. They would give them to me. I'd run out.
0: So, I'd say, I'm having trouble sleeping. The first uh, symptoms is not... Not having enough to get you through the month, mm-hmm. you know. I remember doing that phone call once when I got a, like three refills, and you know, and I don't know what it was. Like you said, halfway through or something, and I called the pharmacy for a refill, and they said you can't refill these yet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? it's right here. And They said, Oh no, you had a month of refills, you're not eligible to get a refill till such and such. You know, I feel like such a dummy today for making that phone call. You know, and then mm-hmm. I was also pissed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the first time it dawned on me that like that whole thing about the timing mm-hmm. yeah
1: and so I told him about you know, I couldn't sleep so then they put me on a extended release morphine hmm. and you know my brother's a nurse like I said and he was always everybody warned me before I started going to this pain clinic about these pills and I just didn't understand not me yeah yeah not me exactly and so um they put me on morphine and I told him that and he's like oh shit he's like dude you know he he couldn't believe it um
0: but also that is like uh you're not getting a punch you get off of gobbling up a few hydros
1: yeah, not, not with one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you could just overuse the morphine.
1: Yeah, you go overuse them, you could break them. Cause break... You're wanting that buzz. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wanting the buzz all the time. And then when my when my nuts are really hurting me, I'm wanting them then, too. So it's, Yeah. you know.
0: You've been swallowed up.
1: There's never enough. And um, they put me on the morphine, and then everything just keeps going up. They keep up and everything. And so... Um, at the, around that time I moved back to Louisville um, never did finish school went to college for six years didn't graduate Yeah, I was working I ended up working in restaurants and I you know, was managing restaurants and stuff like that but um, so then I got a job at Chipotle and they moved me to Louisville to start there and so we had a house in Lexington my girlfriend stayed there I moved back here, live in my dad's basement while she finished school. So I'm back in Louisville, living in my dad's basement. And then um, all of a sudden, he slips a disc in his back. And what do you know? They're prescribing him the exact same pills that I have. And so, it ended up, I would just start out, just, hey, you know, can I get a couple right now? I'm really hurting. I don't have any.
0: Borrow some. Yeah, I borrow some. hmm
1: And he'd say, yeah. Whether, you know, whether I was selling it enough or he just cared, you know, yeah. that his son's hurting in a special way. And, uh, so, and then it, after a few months of that, it came down to, um, there wasn't one in the house between us. I'd cleaned it. I'd borrowed all of his and I'd eaten all of mine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, we knew that, or I knew, I knew when his, when he was going to get his refill. I knew it was tomorrow. You know, the next day. So, I cleaned us out. And, um, uh, I think it was right around that time. I just went ahead and had the surgery. Um, where they going to strip the nerves. I was scared, but whatever. He said he wasn't going to take me off the... He wasn't going to kick me out of the pain clinic. We were going to see how it goes. So I was like, okay, that's that's cool. So he has the surgery. Then, you know, then they give me Berkset's on top of what i'm already taking so i the post-op from surgery was a pretty good week for me yeah even though i was having even though i had surgery yeah, I like that say,
0: but that was also probably painful yeah it was um it's about i think a week's worth of recovery they just laying around the house it wasn't not to mention like this whole thing you're not wanting to probably tell people about I'm going to guess that you're not It's that, that like right today I wouldn't give a shit about telling people my balls are hurting and I'm doing that but yeah uh, when I was a young man I'd have been wanting to keep that hush hush mm-hmm. I would yeah
1: and so um, it didn't really work that well I felt some relief on one side but not on the other mm. and so I think it was about six months in between and I had it again And then I knew what I was getting after the surgery. I knew the pills I was getting.
0: Well, they did another another treatment on him.
1: Yeah. Another treatment on him. And then, um, gosh, so it ended up. The timeline's all messed up. But Timeline don't matter. Well, so they kicked me out of the pain clinic because I tested positive for pot. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Within like three months of each other, you could do it. You could test positive every six months and they'd let you slide. But it, I've had well, it, did it was a t- bit. too close. Too yeah, close, yeah. I was getting, you know, I thought what I would do is I would smoke weed and then I knew when my appointment was and I would try to not. But I think it snuck, did whatever. It snuck up on me a couple of times. So they kicked me out. Um, they said, you know, we can't give you anything you are not a client of ours or something like mm-hmm. that and uh, so I kind of took that as uh, well it's time for me to get off of these you know and uh, told my dad I said hey I'm, I'm gonna not borrow any more of your pills I'm quitting I'm quitting and uh, so I did man I rocked it out in the bathtub for three days, going mm. through withdrawals and um, in the bathtub. It was t- I, I don't know. I felt better. I would you take- were actually in a bath. Yeah, when I was yeah. in, yeah, I didn't sleep in I've heard when, that. When helps. I was taking a bath. Yeah, and uh, just you know, my I, my girlfriend knew what was going on, and you know, everything was, everybody was supporting me, and
0: yeah, because it wasn't like you was a drug addict. You had pain, and you ended up mm-hmm. hooked on these things.
1: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't stop taking more than I was supposed to. And so, uh, I ended up, I, I quit for, I quit the pills for about a year and a half, mm. you know, um,
0: still drinking, smoking
1: pot, not so much drinking. Cause I, I found out real quick that without those pills, I couldn't drink as much yeah, as, I, as, much as I liked. and, yeah. and uh
0: they enhanced my drinking and I ended up not being able to do you know I couldn't drink without some pills
1: yeah that's what college turned into me too was everybody was pills
0: I'd want to drink but I really didn't drink that heavy when I had a decent enough dose in me
1: yeah yeah same here Um, but that's when I started smoking a lot of pot Um, pain still there pain is uh, the second surgery really helped Hmm. a lot Um, it would still pop up from time to time but never as bad as it was and it would go away you know that was the problem before is that it wouldn't a lot of times it wouldn't go away Um, so start smoking a lot of pot this is all the time like at work not at work all the time just stay in high stay in high yeah if you stay high you don't have to get high so then I was at work one day this girl that we worked with as I I say it's about a year and a half later she uh I don't know Percocets got brought up she had some in her purse bought them um they did exactly what they did before for me I really liked them you know and uh, I don't know it, like it's just like a willy nilly kind of like hey I've got them it's like well hey I like them L- let me have them yep
0: and uh, it's a little bit like in the big book where it talks about people who you know have a period of sobriety and then they think they can manage it again you know yeah and you don't even think about it you think you just jump right back on mm-hmm. yep. Yep. So
1: you yep jump right back on you too they did they did, and uh, that's when I uh, I got down to my last half of one, and I was like, man, I've always wanted to know what snorting these things felt like. I was alone in my house. Uh, I just broken up with my girlfriend, and I was like, I'm going to try this one time. And so I snorted it, and uh, it was a lot more intense, you know?
0: Now, were these... It's- Real per, Were these Percocets with Tylenol in them, or were these yeah, they Proxies were perca- with no Tylenol? Percocets with Tylenol. So you snorted even Tylenol. I did. Ugh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was like, wow, that burns. I didn't know what I was expecting. It was the first time I ever put anything up my nose. You know? it's was like, man. I did a little bit, was like, but and I did the rest of it. And uh, I was like, wow, that's a good way to spread them out. You know? The five wouldn't touch anything I did, but I just one of those? I was having to take three or four tens. Yeah, you know, and so half it's of it's called
0: th- bioavailability in oh. your digestive system. Mm-hmm. You only get a certain percentage when they have to fill through your digestive system, but when you stick them straight in your nose or in your vein, mm-hmm. that ups the bioavailability and you get more of the dose. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so I, I don't have a steady supply. You know, it's just whenever they pop up, and I know, I think I know a couple of people that i'm buying pot from that probably know people that can get pills and so i found a guy whatever then he then that's when the Roxy's came in the, the percocet 30s um, they're smaller easier to snore they didn't burn I was like all right so i start out with I start out with one um a couple weeks got another one week got two and then it just progressed to where i was doing those all the time at work I was working two jobs at this point. Um, So little things were like thirty dollars a piece. You do six a day. I'm not good at math, but it's a lot more money than I had. So I was doing electric during the day and then working rolling burritos at night. And uh, this guy kept running out of the pills, you know, and so I would get sick and. I didn't know anybody else I'd get sick and then yeah. get them and then be really well but I wouldn't miss a day of work I would still just go through really the motions and just be miserable and <sighs> and fucking you know I mean it was it was I don't it's know it's horrible I, I yeah that I, cycle of being dope sick yeah
0: on a regular basis is horrible
1: yeah and nobody like why, why are you in such a bad mood yeah I'm not man Just dying inside, you know. Trying to fool everybody, and then I'm trying to fool them when I'm high, you know. So
0: yeah, yeah. One day you're great, one day you're shitty. Yeah, like we look like real weird people. (laughs) Yeah, nobody can figure us out. I'm weird already. Like girlfriends and shit. Uh People that are really close to you, that really pay attention to you, and you've got that cycle going, Mm -hmm. and they don't know about it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And so met Chipotle one night and the, the one of the guys that we just hired uh he likes those pills too and he's got somebody that's got some other stuff and so next thing you know i'm trying heroin for the first time and uh you know after i did it the next day i was just like oh my gosh dude well, this is this is what you know that was always my big my big thing that i said i would never do you know all the family members knew and you know, yeah. I, I used to get... Like that
0: doctor said something to you. Yeah.
1: I used to get high on those pain pills and sit there and watch intervention and be like, whoa. I'm not like, you know, it's not me. Yeah. No way. No way. So it scared me for about a week. I was like, oh my God, I got to get this shit together. And then, you know, I'm getting sick again for a week and I'm still going to work and I'm not, you know, it's, it, it uh, it didn't keep me away for long, but... Little bit. The next thing you know, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm snorting heroin. Uh,
0: daily. Daily. Multiple times a day. When you had a supply that allowed you to keep it rolling, but you probably broke as fuck all the time.
1: I was able to get $100, and $150 every day. Really? Yeah. I was working side jobs and. and uh, I was just working. Yeah.
0: But that'd be all. You were empty then. Oh, yeah. I was out. Yeah, I didn't have any.
1: That's what all of my money was, you know. That's my main goal in life. Yeah. <laughs> borrow it if you need to sell shit. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't have anybody to borrow it from. Hmm. I didn't want to ask. Yeah. And I knew if I couldn't make it today, I'd make it tomorrow. So I'd just be sick for a day.
0: Yeah. Hang
1: in there. Yeah. There's always going to be more. It turned into where money was like, I know I'm going to get more tomorrow. So, here. Take it all. Um,
0: How does that work where you're getting paid like daily?
1: I was doing – what I did is I found an electrician that also sold dope and and did a lot of side work. So So you would work for dope. I would work for dope and most of the time and money. It would be both. And then Yeah. Um, so I go to my, yeah, I go to my normal job during the day, do electric work, and then um, go work for him at night, every night,
0: at least for something. So, what, how did it, what how'd that go? How what happened? Uh, how long do you think you were doing that? Because you were starting out like I don't know, was you early twenties or something, twenty or so, when the ball when the pain started happening and then.
1: Yeah, I was twenty then, when it started happening. I had the surgeries, I think, at twenty six, so I think I was doing that for about, if I had to probably two a year and a half, two years. I was just doing it every day, all the time. The heroin. The heroin. Mm hmm.
0: Um. And how old are you now? Thirty. So you're doing that all the time, and what happened?
1: Uh, well, I couldn't. It got to where I wasn't hiding it very well. Um, you know, I was my girlfriend. Actually, she she didn't know that I'd ever even gone down that road. Um, she'd find out little things here and there, but and I would just cover it up. You know, do whatever I could to not let it be found out. Um, and then it it started getting to where <clears throat> I just I couldn't hide it, you know. I, and and I would go through these periods every every month or week, or where I just want to quit. I would try to devise it. So I set up this plan where I would get enough Suboxins, right, and I, I'll go through my withdrawal in a weekend, and then make it to work on Monday morning. Hmm. You know, and so I, you were using Suboxin
0: to detox
1: yes that's so what I was speedy. trying to do and that uh it doesn't work very well you know, when you do it on your own Uh or at least it didn't for me because it's a time lapse between your last opiate and the suboxions and what so, the more I did it the more I got it wrong where it would throw me into full blown withdrawals within 30
0: minutes of taking it you know and then I'm worse it goes to when we uh back to we can't do it I can't do it on my own mm-hmm. you know people cannot get over on their own no it's like impossible
1: yeah and uh, and damn I feel like I gave it a good try you know I really did yeah. all, all the time you know um, cause I wanted out of it I wanted out of this this lie that I was holding on to that yeah. I couldn't tell anybody I would give my brother bits and pieces when I was going through something and then but not all of it you know, and then I would come clean, and then everything's fine. You know, the next time he sees me, and it's like, Well, how are you doing? Great, man. This guy, it's behind me, you know, I moved on. You know, they knew better, yeah. but um, I got to where I was just miserable, just fucking absolutely miserable. Um, here I was lying to my girlfriend, the, the girl that loves me the most, I'm lying to her about everything about how much money I was making what I was doing you know everything everything uh
0: the ambient and, noise really carries into no, stuff no, man sorry um and we don't want to distract the listeners no. from the story <laughs> yeah
1: um so I just got tired of lying to everybody and then you know all the all the while I'm working I'm doing this electric work which is uh, something I take pride in you know but now it's it's I feel stupid saying that because I was high, you know, for so long while I was doing it, yeah. you know. Um, but it, uh, you know, I was always worried I was stealing from my boss. I was, I was doing all this stuff, and every every aspect of my life, I was fucking it up in some way. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't want to say I could see it in, but I knew like it, it's something was telling me that like it's gonna something you're gonna lose. Like so, I don't know. Just didn't feel. <sighs> i had to get out you know somehow i don't know
0: you felt a bad ending coming down i felt it, it yeah
1: and uh it kind of happened for me i, I got a hold of some bad dope and i really it, it i don't remember In a couple days hmm. i was going to work the guys have a picture of me on the 12-foot ladder nodding off all oh, right wow. um went over to my buddy's house and like trashed his place cause he owed me some money like not in an aggressive way but um come home to my girl and she it was just real obvious that Something wrong something's it. wrong so then she's going through the phone she's seeing she's it's all it's all spilling out you know yeah. and i'm not i don't even know what's going on and so I kind of to start to come to over the next couple of days, you know, I didn't lose my job or anything, but so my plan is to go to uh, uh, the methadone clinic, which I had gone to before. Um, and it helped me with those with to not be sick while I was working and doing all that stuff. But I was really going to give it a shot this time where I'm just doing what they say. And so do it for five days. And I'm just going through these withdrawals that are just worse than I've ever, you know, it's always worse. And um, these people are telling me at the methadone clinic, they're like, wow, you really do want to get, want to get sober, don't you? Like they, they had a couple people come in and listen to me and just because I was being honest, you know, and. I know when I had been in there in the past it was, that was never an option it was the lie to give me the drugs Yeah, and I was being honest and they uh, they were like wow you really want this don't you and I said yeah like yes and so I go sit down and then I look over and I see one of my drug dealers in there mm-hmm. getting methadone <clears throat> and it just uh, I just realized that it, there was no way how am I going to get off of this while I'm still getting it? I don't know. And then it was just like, well, I just had enough. And so my brother, where I'd would where i been open and honest with him, um, they like these breakthrough points for me. Uh, he'd always told me he had a place for me to go to rehab if I ever wanted it. And, uh, I was sitting in that methadone clinic and I texted him at like five in the morning. I was like, hey man, I'm ready to go. And, uh, so he drove down. You know, I told my girlfriend, I was like, hey, you know, how do you, I think I may need to go to rehab. And it, she kind of, she still didn't, even with all this, she still didn't realize the severity of it all because she just found out what was going on a couple of days ago. And uh, so they drove me to Willisburg, Isaiah House, and that's where I did, that's where I did the 28 day program
0: there so check yourself into a residential treatment place mm-hmm. so what'd they do to you <clears throat> they gave me
1: uh, what it felt like was they gave me some Tylenol and told me to go to sleep I just like go lay down in the bed and uh, that's pretty much what it was there wasn't because I was I was on the methadone so they couldn't do uh, they couldn't start a medical detox for like 10 days Mm. or something because that methadone has such a long half-life that it stays in your system for so long and so they just gave me some stuff to help with the withdrawal symptoms and uh told me go lay down said you don't have to do anything for the first four days you're here but
0: ride it out
1: yep ride it out and you know this is all this is all new to me you know i thought i thought rehab was like for the I didn't know what to expect. That was for the lowest, the lowest of the lows, people sleeping under bridges and stuff like yeah. that, you know. And uh, it's a real humbling experience for me. Just.
0: I think the disease it feeds us um, inaccurate pictures of what what's going on, what what is going to happen, and what's what things are for, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely thought the first time I walked <coughs> into AA meeting, I thought I was going to see a bunch of under the bridge kind of folks in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I walked in, and it was a bunch of middle aged regular people, just like me. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, well, the people that were in there were were they like you, or was it a, what was it, the other
1: patients? There was a lot of there was a few alcoholics in there. It was a sixty man dorm um, with like eight bunk beds in each room and it was uh, there was a few alcoholics sprinkled in most of it was um, meth and heroin people coming off that and what surprised me was there was uh, more people that had never touched a needle in there than one of the people than the people that were using needles because hmm. that's what i that's what i kind of thought that I wasn't bad enough to to go to to be accepted to a place like that because I wasn't putting a needle in my arm. Yeah, and uh, there was eighteen year old kids in there that were doing these Roxy's, the Perk thirties that were doing those that were in there.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, and uh, I don't know. It was kind of it's kind of my first eye opening experience to see that like, hey, I am I am I'm definitely one of these. Addicts, you know, alcoholics, whatever, and then that—I uh, don't know—they're just like the where all that it's just, it's the same disease, and they they really push that um, really push the stuff it does to your brain, um, and then they they, educated you. They educated the me a does. lot, yes, um, and that was helpful for me a lot. Yeah. A lot you know, of
0: people, you
1: know. Especially does, at first.
0: Yeah, it doesn't, we? for whatever reason, we need to know, right? Mm-hmm. There's a thing where people, you know, that scientific medical side of it uh, helped me too, kind of broke me through. I was like, oh, okay, I see what's going on. Um, now I'm with you, otherwise I'm still rejecting your premises that I'm a drug addict. hmm yeah
1: and it was I don't know i felt it was comforting to know that there's a lot more people like me than I thought
0: yeah that's what happens in AA too
1: mm-hmm
0: yeah unless you you're not alone yeah because you really feel alone when you get to that spot man you think you're the only person in the world that's going through this you know
1: yeah and especially I couldn't even tell anybody I didn't have a soul that I was really honest with yeah, about AA it too. all me either yeah um, I was hiding it from everybody my parents my
0: wife my job my friends even.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was hiding it from the good ones, you know, my good friends.
0: I wouldn't uh, buy dope off the street, so I didn't even have dope dealers like that knew my problem. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I didn't have those people where I need some more. Uh, it was a complete con job, hiding it from everybody. Mm. So did they? what did they, after 10 days, did they start a medical detox or?
1: No, they gave me the choice. They said, well, you can start on suboxone and then we'll taper you off they were going to give it to me for like three or four days you know give it and then taper it um you know but before i got to treatment like i said i had five days where i was i wasn't doing any dope i was just doing the methadone and so those days were really bad before i went and so i think by the time i got there the worst of it was over mm. i remember i had it was like two days two or three days where i felt really bad but then i slowly started to wake up and kind of come back to life you know and the longest bout i'd ever that i could ever do on my own was 12 days and so um
0: i'm gonna make you put your hands in your lap you have to get you a fiddle stick or whatever mm-hmm. a little spinner or something to play with. Mhm. You got one somewhere. <laughs> so uh tell me about the rest of that. Stay there.
1: Um that we had two classes a day. We had to go to um and they it's a faith-based treatment center. So they were big on um, celebrate recovery. And we would, you know, we would go to the classes. It was um, the facility was kind of they had a basketball court. You could smoke anytime you wanted. Um, for me, it kind of felt like a little vacation. I know it's probably fucked up to say, but no, I, it I, I, I didn't have two jobs to work. I didn't have, you know, it was it felt right. It felt like I could just lay down, and go through, you
0: know, and go through this. Yep, my trips to rehab, I only did a week at a time, but it was sort of like a vacation. It was like you know you. Had, well they say three hots in a cot mm-hmm. and you just did what they told you to do if you were supposed to be in this class or if you got recess or you got whatever you just did what they told you and that was pretty easy yeah it was mm-hmm. easier than life
1: mm-hmm. yeah um they had a fire pit and we'd sit you know we'd sit out and it was april so it was, it was perfect weather
0: be outside um Took you? Did I remember you told me they used to take you to meetings? Take you in the van? They would take us to church. Oh, to church. The only meetings
1: they had—they had three meetings the whole time I was there. Mm -hmm. Three AA meetings, and it was just guys that had been there for a little while that were that wanted to have a meeting. It wasn't hosted through the treatment center Mm -hmm. or anything like that because their big push was celebrate recovery, with it being a faith place, a Mm -hmm. faith-based place, and
0: you know well you know all recovery is somewhat faith based so I don't know anybody getting sober without some basis there true but well, they were they were big on, great on recovery on our, is generally the Christian faith in Jesus yeah big on our man JC yeah
1: and so <clears throat> I kind of I, I just kind of just listened I, I kind of just gave in you know I'd always fought um, God and Jesus and all that stuff I always just felt like uh, that he I don't know he didn't pick me to be one of the ones that to like feel his love yeah you know or to get the benefits of him I wasn't mad at it I was just more like why Why not why not me so they started talking about all this stuff and you know there was just a few things that would just keep me hanging on enough um, and I mean part of it is that they, they worked the guys that are doing the classes have been there for 11 months or so and then they're teaching us so it was you know the kind of lead by example thing and just hear what these these dudes have been in the same seat i'm in Mm -hmm. i'm gonna listen to what they say um and then there were just little little things that stuck with me like there was a sign that said uh humble yourself before the lord and he will lift you that was out by the fire pit, so I'd stare at the sit out there by myself and just look at the moon and look at that sign, and you know, it was, I don't know. It just kind of cracked the door. I feel like for me to just let something in, mm-hmm. to let something in, and so did the twenty-eight days there. Came back home. They had told me that the counselors in there, the counselors are really good. He, I don't know. Maybe I was just ready to hear what he was saying, but told me, go to a meeting the day you get out. And I remember the other guys being like, the day I get out, why would I go to a meeting? I just left rehab that morning. Mm. I was like, well, I don't know. That's what this dude told me to do. Maybe he's right. And so I got out. and The day I got out, I had to go going to trade school I still am I got a hold of them while I was in rehab and they let me finish school because I left right in the middle right at the end of the semester so when I got out I, they told me I had to go to class that day it was the class our classes were on Mondays that's when I got out so I went to that class and then he let us out early and I was driving home and I thought well maybe I'll see you about one of these meetings and that's when
0: to get on your phone and find one yeah what you did yeah do you know anything about the token or do you know anything about me? So
1: I'd been to in the back up in that little time period where I had that bad dope that put me out for a couple days and then I had and then I started the methadone clinic In those five days where I was just doing the methadone I was going to meetings I went to a with a buddy of mine that I worked with I went to a, two speaker meetings went to a, like a those meetings at the churches where they have dinner for everybody, like a benefit kind of meeting. Hmm. And uh, then I went to a couple of NA meetings, you know, and so I think I went to like six or seven meetings in those five days. So it was kind of just like a crash course of like, holy shit, you know, holy kind of holy shit, I don't really, I don't know what to do. So i kind of been familiar with them a little bit. Yeah. So you've been to a meeting? Been to them and
0: never spoke.
1: Never really. I've talked to my buddy that we went because he was going through some stuff. But, um, yeah, I would just listen. And the speaker meetings really kind of touched me, too. Like, the ones I went to is to realize that I always thought I was going to have to lose everything that I had before I got sober. Yeah, And the speaker meetings I went to, they they just told their story and how—
0: they didn't yeah a lot of us don't yeah and so that, that gave me some hope cause so you went to that you went? And did your trade school stuff that Monday and then landed in the relapse no more meeting that night that's it I'd been to the talking club I think once before and then I told part of that mm-hmm. about and I don't know how accurate it was but I did talk to you right then and yeah. you know, when you shared or said since, I, my sponsor says the same thing about me, that when I shared, he heard something that tapped him and said, go help that dude. And so I heard that, and I did. Uh, I don't really remember exactly how the sponsor thing and all that, I don't know if that happened after the retreat or before. Uh, I think I told you to go ahead and call me every day, but I don't think you did the first few days. No, that's what I
1: remember. So I remember. I don't remember what you said in that Monday night meeting. I don't remember that. I remember meeting you, um, and then you. Let's see. Then I, I saw, sent
0: you a big giant text I, that night I talking did, about the retreat,
1: and I didn't even see it till the next day. Till the next day, um, and then I went to. The, this is how I remember it. I went to the Tuesday meeting. We were standing out there talking. And After. I, after the meeting the meeting after the meeting and um, the the sponsorship got brought up and I said I do need one you know or something and you said I remember you saying well I think you know a pretty good one and I was like well who's that and he's like me Mm -hmm. that's what you said so um, he told me to go home pray on it and call you tomorrow and I'm pretty sure I did
0: if you think you did you did yeah yeah maybe that little dry spell between monday and tuesdays what is in my head you know because i do remember sending it to you and i thought well i just ran this guy off <laughs> i was too forward man i was too uh yeah no i don't know i think it
1: it may have been a good thing i didn't see it because maybe it would have you know all that that night and the first day coming home from rehab and then i don't know it was um uh,
0: well, Higher Power was doing something for you.
1: He was doing something for me, man. And so then I you know, I would say yes to this retreat. And then after um I think I was six days out of rehab and my grandmother died. Mhm. Um, you know, and that was a that was a heavy one for me. She was she was like my favorite person in the whole world. Um
0: Is it your mom's mom?
1: It's my mom's mom. Yeah. We lost my mom's father during COVID. Hmm. Um, And so, um, I would always, I would take care of her as much as I could, Um, even while I was in the madness, you know. I feel bad because I was there physically, but mentally, I was not there for her. But physically, I was, you know, so... I knew we weren't sure when she was going to die and so you talk about the retreat that you had I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make it you know and it just worked out where she passed and then I had the retreat I think it was the next day or two days after and then the funeral was going to be the following Tuesday Hmm. and so it's another one of those things the higher power I don't it was just doing things you know I, my grandma got to see me sober even though it was for for a minute I think I gave her three hugs you know from the time I saw her yeah. from the time I got out of rehab to when she passed but yeah. um, you know the family tells me she was hanging on for me mm-hmm. that they almost lost her like four times while I was in rehab and mm-hmm. they had already called they were gonna come get me and then she'd stable out and, mm-hmm. um,
0: so yeah so so then uh, I remember, it, you know, and I know I could see it a little bit of it, like into retreat, a little bit of the deer in the headlights, kind of like, what the fuck am I got myself into, in a sense? I'm not exactly sure if I was reading that like, like I saw it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a few new, really new people there, and I always try to do that. Uh, what did that weekend, what was your perception of that weekend? Um,
1: It was a. Uh, it was amazing. It w- it was like a. I feel like it was like like a kickstart, you know, to get my support group going, you know, and it it opened my eyes just as you know a bunch of dudes, being honest and vulnerable. Um. And the fact that, it, this is working for these guys. You know, I, really, I you are absolutely right with the deer in the headlights. I had no clue what was going on. I didn't you know. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter.
0: No, and uh, I've been using a word called immersion lately. Immersion. You, know, you have to immerse your. You know, when you become immersed in this stuff, it will get in you. You know, and and the deeper we immerse you the quicker and the less hold the disease can get can can maintain on you mm-hmm. you know and that for you that first weekend like that you'd been through 30-day residential thing you were out for a week and then you got a weekend with all these guys that are doing recovery the way we do mm-hmm. uh, you got like baptized you know you got immersed in that way yeah yeah and uh you know it's be hard to for somebody you know to experience those weekends and walk away thinking anything but that they, you know, most people walk away thinking, well, well I want that, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, you know, our second step says come to believe, right? So we're going to come to believe in that because I'm seeing it before my very eyes of uh, 20 dudes who are, like you said, worked for them. Mm-hmm. And they claimed all weekend. About mm-hmm. how it was working for them, so yeah. You can't like deny it. You don't have uh, I don't believe any of these sons of bitches. You right, know, you don't really have that, yeah. You don't have it's coming from everybody, you know. Yeah. And and but brotherhood and the support that you get. You mm-hmm. had that, I know, what was it, Saturday, Saturday afternoon? And you were fishing at the pond, and it a, a damn rainstorm came up in like seconds, man.
1: Mm-hmm. Everything
0: yeah. turned dark. And it was pouring down, raining. And, yeah. And I kind of do a little head count wondering who's out because it was free time, air time. Uh, what happened? Just tell that little bit.
1: So I was down there, and I saw the, the, the sky get a little dark, and I thought, well.
0: Because you were catching hell out of the fish I was on, catching, the back, on the front end of that storm. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's why I was going to say. I was like, well, I'm going to hang this out because I know they like to bite right before a storm hits. And so uh i catch one is a couple pounds and i was pretty excited about it i'd been trapped in a cage for you know in rehab for i hadn't had a chance to go fishing and so um uh, so I, I catch one and then next thing you know i mean it's thunder and it's it's coming down pretty heavy and i also realized that i don't know how to get back to where i am um we rode there on a four-wheeler and i was facing the back way i was sitting my legs were hanging off the back of the four-wheeler and so i don't know it's you don't get a real good view of where you're going when you're looking the opposite way and so i know there's i see these two trails i thought and so i took one and then i ended up at this house there's this other little house out there and there's nobody there but it's got a little roof on the front of it and so I'm like, all right, well I got a dry place, you know. At this, I'm already soaked, but at least I've got a place to
0: stand outside, yeah, be outside of the rain, and not sit here and
1: continue to get soaked. Yeah, and uh, I, I look in this house and I see the doors kind of open, and I'm like, well, I don't know whose house this is, so I don't want to be. I want to catch a B and E on a retreat, you know, for my with my AA guys, and so I just sit out there for. Seemed like about forty-five minutes or so. While the storm moved through, while the storm moved through, and it it was, uh, it was one of the most peaceful times that I've that I've that I had felt in my whole life. Here I am, I'm out in nature, where you know I'm just I'm alone by myself, and I'm at, at peace.
0: Yeah, you know, and found shelter from the storm.
1: Found yeah, there's some of that primal stuff in there too. That
0: where it's like, yeah, you found shelter, got away, and. That was what we call the chalet. The chalet, that is our little A-frame that I first started hunting in when I was a little kid and we refurbished it there some years ago now and it's a nice little, cool little, nothing to say, it's a cool little A-frame chalet tucked back in the woods. And it is a, it is a very, uh, very comforting setting Mm-hmm. kind of nestled in down in there yeah creek running right beside it and, mm-hmm. um so then let's talk about the step work a little bit mm-hmm. so give me your ideas about what you felt and your thoughts and uh, walking through that um
1: reading the book we started out there it, it was uh, it's just nice to learn to learn more about it to learn that uh to have it to see it written out the way that I feel, um, it's really stuck with me and just helped me feel like I'm yet again, I'm not the only one going through this stuff. Um, and then we chose to do my third step prayer back at the cabin where we had the retreat, and uh, I don't know, it seemed it. it the fact that we made it such a big I don't know, not that we made it a big deal, but we, yeah, took, we took the we deal. took the time to go up there and, and go it's to that and go to that spot. Um,
0: it's a decision point where you're gonna make a true decision mm-hmm. to really do this thing.
1: Yeah.
0: And it is a big deal and that's why I try to make a big deal out of it. I try to, you know, celebrate and ritualize the steps so that it because it is a big deal.
1: Yeah. Well, and I really liked what you said too. You told me that if you want to back out, now's the time. It's right here, you know. You're like we don't have to go any further. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. And uh, I was like, whoa. He's he's you know, he's we're am ser- we're serious about it. So uh, I did it, and 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 just saying that prayer it, it, and I, to mean it you know and always same thing as everybody I'd always prayed when I help me get through this work day I'm sick help me do this and that and that and, that. and but just kind of like uh,
0: throw waving the white towel yep and that's the way the Thursday prayer reads you know take me build with me and do with me as you will. I'll offer myself to you. Um, yeah, I'll just say from a sponsor standpoint, you just did everything, you know, and that makes it real easy for a sponsor. When a guy will just do the work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's that line in there that says, that some of these we balked. And when you got a guy balking or dragging his feet and that kind of thing, it makes it difficult. Uh, because I am convinced that I have a responsibility to give this away at the full dosage. That's something else that I've been dealing with and talking about here lately. Mm-hmm. That it was given to me at the full dosage, right? And my life was completely transformed and revolutionized, as the book says. And then for me to like give something to you that's less than that, uh, it feels like a spiritual violation. Yeah. Uh, I have to, but the, but you had to cooperate with me for that to happen. Right, I can't do it by myself. Yeah. You have to cooperate. You have to take the take the uh, suggestions and do the work. And you know when I say I'm going sp- to sponsor by assignment, that's got it for both my sponsor and Scott Lee. I'm going to sponsor by assignment, and I'm going to expect you to do your assignment week to week. I'm going to give you assignment every week. I want to meet with you, and I want you to have your assignment done week to week. And when we start whip cracking to get through the fourth step. Uh, and then jumping back on the train after that gets to be a problem because when we do a fourth, fifth and you know four, five, six, seven, and it's eight step prayer time mm-hmm. and then we got to get back in the book and get to reading again, you know because mm-hmm. we've got a whole lot more book to read. yeah and uh, that's important to me. Any particular things that's going through your any, anything in particular that you talk about that rings your bell as far as the steps went? Cause it hasn't been done that long. Right. And it's still doing amends. Yeah. Which is typical.
1: Mhm. Um, I mean the fourth step, I mean the the hardest part was kinda just write, like for me was writing down my part and things. And seeing it and then doing it again and then again. And just seeing the things that i the patterns the patterns right um, is there something about when you write it out that becomes a little it's undeniable little bit undeniable right
0: because we're and able then, to stuff that shit when we don't put it all down like that yeah we can kind of segregate it and not see that we're doing that but then when you start that writing and you go god dang here I'm I'm writing the same crap mm-hmm. over and over and over just different versions of it
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah um
1: so that, that was the hardest part for me was kind of just facing those things. But then uh, fist step come along and, you know, kind of know how I felt about that. I didn't, I have kept feeling like I was doing it wrong the whole time.
0: Most, a lot of people do think they're doing this work wrong. Um,
1: but you assured me that I was not and that it's about, you know, it could also be about us getting to know each other better and
0: better in our relationship. Because yeah, you were, you kept a closed book a lot and I could feel that, you know. Uh, and you get these different responses. you'll some going to come dump every their entire life story on you when you're trying to read Bill's story, you know. <laughs> and and I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, frankly, what's dawned on me is how little I really need to know about you in order to deliver this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't really need to know all that stuff, yeah. Uh, and I'm expecting to do a friendship for a lifetime, you know, and uh, continued things, so we'll get to know each other over time. What's well, the rush? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I can't capture all that data all at once anyway. Right. and um, But that was one thing is that, you know, that was one of the things about Fifth Step was that to open up and to, to get, I don't know, uh, in a sense, it feels like you don't, and that there's not enough trust or something. There's not, that you're not going to let a guy in yet you know I'm Mm -hmm. I'm afraid to let you all the way in Mm -hmm. and you know that extends from that hiding that addiction stuff the whole time too you know because I've got myself trained to where you don't let out anything more than what's necessary yeah Mm -hmm. and you get here and you're in that pattern yeah and and, you know what I say is I learned from an early age that my friends weren't safe to talk to to tell things to they wouldn't keep things in confidence Mm mm-hmm uh they would straight up make fun of you when you were vulnerable, mm-hmm. so you sure as hell wasn't going to do that again, yeah. And uh, and that's a hard habit, that's a hard thing to break, you know. And today, I might be more of an open book and maybe I maybe overshare sometimes, <laughs> uh, because most everybody knows what's going on in Dan's life. Mm-hmm. Um, any particular amends? Um let me ask you about the made to do it prayers okay what do you think about that what thoughts on it i loved it um like it it took
1: it took me out of deciding which ones to do and i sat down with god and we kind of talked about it and um if, if if i think how you put it to me if if it was something that needed to be done um or that didn't need to be done, I would feel it, and uh, it, that it works. You know, the first couple, I was like, I don't know. I remember, I called you. I was like, I don't know. I'm not feeling much, and mm-hmm. it, uh, it's because I, I hear these hear these guys and say hear people say that there's certain amends they wouldn't make, and I heard other people say that that's why he's not sober anymore is he wouldn't wouldn't do this or that. And so uh, I didn't want to risk it, you know, and I didn't want to put my finger in and pick and or
0: or, or it it was it was nice to just lay it all out with God. Yep, I think that's when you start getting in tune with the same nudge that told me to approach you. You know, Mm -hmm. I I train myself like that in a sense or get in touch with God by seeing about one of these amends I need to make and praying on it and trying to feel uh, what direction I'm being offered. And that's the beginning of being able to like operate my life like that, mm-hmm. where when some decision is coming up, I have had this practice of listening to this voice, intuition, higher power, I really don't know what it is, but getting in touch with that and being able to hear it and then allowing that to give my life the direction as I'm making decisions down the road. Um, whether if that's changing jobs or mm-hmm. uh, heck, sometimes it's how to approach a particular project I'm doing, you know, and, and you start being able to really uh, open up that, open that up to everything, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's that reliance upon higher power, uh, and I made that third step decision where I'm not running my life anymore. I'm allowing this power to. Me, when I say that prayer to at the beginning of every one of these podcasts, and quite often, to show me what next step is to be because uh, I want to take it. I want to mm-hmm. take which one you want me to, yeah, not it's the next one I want to. It's freeing too to, it to, to to live that way, yep.
1: You get to like turn you can loose.
0: J- you just sit back and enjoy the ride, you know, yep. and you still have to take the actions and stuff, you but do. you don't like have to drive, you know, like your foot is not stomped on the accelerator pedal all right. the time. And I also don't have to sweat my decisions anymore either.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. I keep in touch with my sponsor and I keep in touch with higher power and allow those two to guide me. And then if it goes wrong, you know, I'm off the hook. <laughs> All right. Yeah, at least you know in in, in your own mind, you yeah. know. It's just like, well, oh well. Yeah, I did what those two things were telling me to do, and it didn't go right. Yeah, because w- even Next when I th- try to do better, yeah,
1: when I think I know, I have a decision, then I pick, and then it's I feel all the guilt if it's wrong, and then I, who, I, I, st- I still
0: I still never know if it's going to be right. I giggle when I'm at the grocery store because I know that whatever line I pick is going to be a slow one, <laughs> oh, yeah. and it's kind of like that. That's a, like I'm not I'm not asking higher power for help when I'm there ever. I'm picking and it goes (laughs) south every time yeah Uh, even in the you scan it lanes
1: so amends so I recently made amends with my mom and uh, that was powerful man I was I, I sat across from her held her hand hands and uh did the amends, you know, and it was, it was powerful. We both cried. Um, it was, uh, it it's felt right, you know, I meant it. It was from the heart. Um, every mother deserves a, 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 you know, a good son, just like his parents' kids deserve, you know, Great parents, so um, <clears throat> it was nice to know that my my like my that my words mean something today. They mean something to me, and I get to pr- prove to other people that um, they didn't mean anything to for a long time that. Yep, today I'm a
0: man of my word. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that means a lot. Uh, Mankind beats on that a lot. called integrity. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that floats into your self-esteem. Because when you know you're doing the right thing and you're honest with people, you feel better about yourself. And that's a momentum builder. -hmm. The next thing is you got that. The next thing, the next problem that causes is you got to make sure to keep your ego in check. Uh, I don't really see you having that problem, but my sponsor talks to me about it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I have it, but to keep an eye on it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And what about your relationship with your mom since then? It's been great. I mean, Improved Yeah
1: Definitely improved Um, Just to know that You know Because I know she never felt Like I loved her You know And Uh and, uh, Man that was the farthest From the truth You know And so Just to be Just to To be open About stuff like that And and,
0: uh, it's, It's definitely improved The relationship Yeah One thing I've noticed, you know, I get this is episode 271. Uh, One thing I've noticed is that, like when I when I interview somebody who's been around for a long time, they'll have a whole lot of after, right? They'll have all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. when I get with a guy who's pretty much brand new, Mm you know, you're still in your first year of sobriety. uh, There's nothing really, you know, things good things have happened, but there's really no after story. You know, and I, and, I, and I sometimes find myself here fishing for it when it hasn't happened yet, you know. I know that's to come if you stay on the path. Uh, we could do a, you know, sometimes, and I've done that, you know, catch a guy a couple of more years down the road and he comes back and then he's got something to talk about that since uh, finishing the steps, the, the miracles that have happened in their lives. Uh, when it comes to like this step 12 thing, you've just recently uh, caught your first sponsee and just barely getting started. The next thing was uh, going to get started on chapter one and Bill's story with next time, wouldn't you? Yep, and it was tenthly scheduled for tonight and I put it on you to make the decision if you wanted to do that or if you wanted to do this and it really it really didn't matter to me whichever one had such a coin toss that uh, I didn't have a dog in that fight. Uh, and You chose to come here, so that is good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to what, you know, uh, it's, it's a blast to watch people's lives catch on fire and be ignited as a result of this work. And, you know, and the thing that keeps that flame going, it's the thing that fans the flame, is sponsorship. It's passing this on to other people. Because uh, otherwise it's a little bit of a dead end. You know, if you're not doing that next, what are you doing? You know, and you've had all this revolutionizing of a life in the past year, ten months for you at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then you get done with the work; it's like, well, what? You know, yeah. it really is. It's like slamming into a wall. And then what's next is sponsoring people, or at least trying. You know, we have such a strong group and so many hands raised every week that it's uh, it's tough competition. Yeah, you I always have to go to other meetings. There were so many hands that were up at this last meeting. But you still go to a lot of meetings? oh yeah so uh, you know that's that's where you know well it's like what I did to you caught you at some other meeting and Mm -hmm. brought you home yeah Uh yeah Uh, and and that is a very effective way to go about it because they're wandering in I think I can't remember exactly but I think there's some 500 meetings in the Louisville area a week or something like that Mm -hmm. plenty of them to go catching people Alright well anything else you want to say or uh, sometimes people will say something to the newcomer sometimes somebody will say whatever you know anything that's on your heart that you want to say I call it a concluder Um,
1: maybe to the newcomer um, just give it a shot it's kind of what I was doing and it turned out to be the Best thing I ever did. I just dove in. I just did what did what other people told me in the program told me to do. Did what my sponsor told me to do, and it paid off. He kept telling me that he promises me if I work these twelve steps and practice these principles in my affairs, my life will get better. So far, he's it's
0: he's been right. Yep, I call it a guarantee. That's what happens. Well, as usual, I get to know people better, and I've known you pretty good because of the relationship that we've had, but I always hear a few things I didn't know even when I do have this relationship with somebody when they come in and tell their story. Um, So thank you for that, and I like this front-row seat I get to do it. It brings me closer to everybody that's here, whether whether if somebody I don't know Uh, I get to know somebody that I didn't know or I get to know somebody better that I already knew. So thanks for coming in tonight. Uh, And I'll close her up unless you got something more else. That's it. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. If you're not having a blast in your recovery, you're not doing it right. And thank everybody out there for allowing Derek and I to participate in our recoveries in this manner tonight. Peace out.